title of my message this morning is Sweet Jesus. Sweet Jesus. Jesus is sweet. How many know when it comes to talking about pride, it's a challenging subject because, you know, who needs to hear a message on pride? It's like it's the proud and, and there's a good chance that the proud won't listen to this because they think, oh, well, I don't need it. That's for somebody else. And, you know, we said right at the start, you know, we can be proud that we don't have pride. You know, well, I don't have pride. That's for that other person. You know, that person, they need to hear that message, but not me. But each and every one of us are dealing with pride on an ongoing basis. In fact, it's one of the biggest hindrances to us receiving what God has for us. I want us to start this morning by going back to a passage that we talked about at the beginning of the series. It's found in Deuteronomy chapter 8. And this is an you know, important chapter in the Bible because God is calling the Israelites back to remember all the things He has done for them. How, how many would say God has been good to them? Come on, if God's been good to you, uh, you, you need to acknowledge it. You can't just sit there and go, oh. Now, how many today would say God has been good to, come on, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's important that we acknowledge that. And, and in Deuteronomy chapter 8, you know, the Israelites have sort of overlooked it. Uh, but, but here in verse 2, he says, come on, remember how the Lord your, your God, God led you all the way in the, the wilderness these 40 years. If you've ever been through a wilderness experience, you know, you know, God's in that moment. Sometimes we think, where are you, God? Well, God's in it. And he was in the Israelites going through the wilderness. And here it says, this is the reason why he took them through it, to humble them. And to test them in order to know what was in their heart. In order that they may know what's in their heart. You know, there's often times in life where we're going through stuff and we don't know what's in us. And it takes a situation and a circumstance to extract that which is in us out of us. And it's in those moments we understand what's going on. In fact, uh, the Bible says in Proverbs 24 verse 10, it talks ab about how, how, how strength is discovered in adversity. If you faint in the day of adversity, it says your strength is small. <laughs> I like one, one, one version says, if you faint in the day of adversity, there wasn't much of you to begin with. And so the situation in us, around us, draws out what's in us. And, and here he says the wilderness was to humble them and to test them in order to, for them to know what was in their heart. Whether or not, it says, you would keep his commandments. He, he humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna, which neither your neither you nor your ancestors had known to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but by every word. Somebody say every word. Every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. The B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. That's the book for, hey, come on, we live. Not by bread, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. How many know the Bible is full of life? It's full of freedom. We need to treasure the Bible. You know, it's not just words written on a page. It, it, it's, it's God's word to us. It's God's word for us. And uh, when we understand that, it's then we begin to move into life. Hey, uh, quickly, I want to take you to a proverb, and this is uh, what I'm going to launch from uh, this morning. This proverb is found in Proverbs 27, verse 7. It says, a person who is full 
refuses honey. But even bitter food tastes sweet to the hungry. A person who is full refuses honey. Oh man, I'm so full, I can't even, you know, I don't even feel like honey. I don't even feel like something sweet. I don't feel like dessert. How many know you've got to be full to not want dessert? But it says, but even bits of food taste sweet to the hungry. How many know people are good at informing you when they're hungry? You know, we have uh, friends. Yeah, I'm sure you have a friend who gets hangry uh, when you don't feed them at regular intervals. It's like they have to be. They're on time. They're on the clock. And if they, uh, sometime the clock just goes past as so they get a little bit hangry, a, a little bit grumpy. You know, kids today, you know, kids today, and they go, Mom, Dad, I'm, I'm hungry. I'm hungry. How, how many have got kids who are always informing them that they're hungry? It's like, I'm hungry. And the good dad joke is, hi, hungry. Um, some, uh, some of you used that joke before, you know, it's, no, Dad, I'm really hungry. And, uh, you know, you so often say, well, there, there's food in the cupboard. And it's like they've been to the cupboard, they've looked in the cupboard, and they don't see any food. And, and, and they go, no, there's no food. Yeah, I don't want that. And, and you say to them, what do you say? Well, if you're hungry, you'd, you'd eat what's in the cupboard. Come on, how many have been through that dialogue before? It's like, you know, you'd eat it if you were really hungry. Uh, but they're not really hungry. And Herod says to the hungry person, even the bitter is sweet. Uh, so when you're hungry, you're, you're, you'll eat anything. Uh, I, I love the fact, uh, as a church, we're on mission. In fact, uh, in the coming days, we've got missions teams going to the Philippines. We've got missions teams going to India. You know, we've just had a missions team return from Tonga, 22 uh, medical professionals. We're over in Tonga. I love the fact that as a church, we're on mission. We don't want to talk about impacting the world. We want to actually do it. And, and when it comes to mission, what you've got to understand, it's central to the heart of God. You know, the Bible says, you know, you and I have been saved and we've been called according to His purpose. Uh, today, in today's Christian world, many people can live saved but not called. Uh, you have a calling on your life, and, and your call is related to God's purpose, and God's purpose is, is to reach the world. You know, I, I really believe the reason why God is blessing us is, is, is simply because we're prepared to engage with God's purpose. I believe why God's blessing us as a church and why we're starting you know, new locations around the world is, is because we're prepared to throw ourselves as a church right in the middle of it. You know, you know, we don't understand sometimes how it's all going to work out, but just in simple obedience, we're trusting Jesus. And, and, and God's done many miracles, and we've shared about those miracles time and time again. You know, God's last command, in fact, Jesus' last words, His last command was to go into the world, and we're going to make His last command our first priority. You know, many people say, oh, well, I'll get around to going. You know, you know, it's like once I sort this out, then I will. How many know when it comes to God's call, God calls us at the most inconvenient times? You know, oh, it's, it's like we're, we're saying, well, once I feel adequate, then I'll go, then I'll engage at a different level. Once I, once I graduate, once I finish my exams, or, or once the kids are at school, or once we sell a house, or once we buy a house, or, or, or once I read the entire Bible, then I'll feel equipped 
uh, to go. You know, I've got a confession to make. Up till about 10 years ago, I hadn't read the entire Bible. Oh, I've been a pastor over 20 years. Uh, by the way, if you haven't read the entire Bible, I really encourage you to get the one-year Bible reading plan from Nicky Gumbel. You know, maybe you want to start that in the new year. It's a great commentary that leads you right through the Bible. You know, I, you know, I need to read the entire Bible, some people say. Well, you know, others would say, well, I, I need to sort all my issues out before I go. Uh, but, but I love uh, the heart of God because God says, come on, I want you to go, and I want you to go with just what you know. In fact, I, I love the story of Zacchaeus in the Bible. Uh, Zacchaeus is a tax collector. And he seeks Jesus out. He's short, so he climbs a tree in order that he may see Jesus when, when Jesus is going to pass by. And I love Jesus comes along. He sees Zacchaeus in, in the tree and he says, hey, Zacchaeus, make haste. Today I'm coming to your house. I'm coming over. And how many would freak out in that moment? You know, you, you get some friends out. And normally you, you need a, a little bit of time to prepare But he says to Zacchaeus, make haste, I'm coming over now. Uh, But I haven't tidied the house. You know, it's like, I haven't got food in the cupboard. Uh, Some of us right now, it's like we're saying, well, I need to get my house in order before I invite Jesus over. And we go, well, just give us a little bit of time. Can we delay it a day? Can you come next week, Jesus? You know, that that gives me enough time to sort some things out before I invite you in. But I, I love the fact that Zacchaeus received Jesus into his house at that moment. And as a result of receiving Jesus into his house at that moment, Jesus sorted his house out. In fact, as Jesus was going to go, he says, well, I've, I've done wrong, and I, what I've done wrong, I'm going to make right. You know, where I've stolen, I'm going to not just repay, I'm going to increase and give back more than what I've taken. Uh, so often we're waiting for our house to be in order before we invite Jesus in. How many know if we do that, Jesus would never come in? We're going to invite Jesus into our house because he's the one who orders our house. And some of us, when we hear this word go, we're thinking, well, somewhere in the future I'll go. But, but, but this word go is a command to every Christian now. It's to you now. It's to go and do. It's not to sit and wait. God anoints us to go. He doesn't anoint us to sit there and look pretty. No, he, he, he anoints us so that we can be effective in the world around us. Go into the world and what? Make disciples. But many people, if they're about, I don't feel ready to go. Well, you never will. Some of us just don't want to go. But here's where the problem is. You, you will never measure up to what you think qualifies you to go. You will never measure up to what, what you think qualifies you to go. I, I like what my friend Mark Verricky says. He says, God changes you while he uses you. Some of us, oh, well, I need to be changed first before God can use me. But, but the whole discipleship process is God changes, changes you while he uses you. See, see, what happens when we're not prepared to go? When we abandon God's call to go, 
yeah, we can unknowingly still enjoy fellowship. We can pray for one another. Uh, we can still witness to the two same neighbors that aren't saved, but really we're not being obedient. You know, I read this week, uh, you know, somebody talking about the story of the five loaves and the two fish, the feeding of the 5,000, the miracle that took place there. You know, can you imagine you know, Jesus multiplying food? That's a good thing. He multiplies food, and, and what he does is he divides it among his disciples, and, and he gets them to sit down in rows of, of 50 and, and rows of 100. You know, that's, that's what he does. But you know, imagine if you know, they went, the disciples went to the first row and began distributing the food, started at this end, you know, distributing, distributing, comes right along the row. And then by the time they get to Johnny on this side, you know, over here, they're hungry again. How, how many have been to, you know, places where there's buffets and people are having seconds before people have had first? Come on, you know, you, you've seen that before, people going, man, I haven't even had my first. And, you know, and, and, you know, God's still multiplying the food. Uh, but, but we're, you know, we're going back to over here and we're starting to feed those who have already been fed. And, and that's the danger of the church. God's still doing a miracle, but, but people are getting fed who have, who have already got something and they've done nothing with it. And, and unfortunately, in many places, the church just gets fed because they're not prepared to actually move and do something with what they've received, you know. And what happens is you get a whole lot of people then who become restaurant critics. You know, well, they, they didn't cook the fish right, and, uh, you know, the bread could do with a, a little bit of virgin oil on it, and, you know, the bread wasn't fresh enough, and, and the fish needs some seasoning. You know, the worship was too long this morning, and the message wasn't funny enough. Uh, it's just like, it's not meeting my needs because, uh, you know, we're just sitting on what we have received. But, but there's a whole group that haven't eaten yet. And, and that's what we as a church need to get our focus on. There, there's a whole group of people who are yet to taste the sweetness of God. To, to a hungry person, listen to this, even the bitter is sweet. That's why there's some people who get it and, and don't get it. See, 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 a hungry person doesn't care about the packaging. I mean, no, when you're hungry, the packaging is irrelevant. You just want the substance. You, know, you don't care what it looks like. You know, how many know mints can look, oh, dang awful. It can look like Sunday cows. But there's nothing like mints on toast. Uh, do I get an amen on that? In fact, you go to cafes today and they serve mints on toast. It's like, man, it looks dang awful, but it tastes unbelievable. And there's nothing like mints on toast when you're hungry. Uh, don't, uh, some of you are unconvinced you just haven't tried it yet. Yeah, it, it's, it's like it doesn't want to look like, smell like, you know, sounds like. You know, when you're hungry, when you've got a hunger inside of you, you know, it doesn't matter whether, whether people approve or don't approve. Sometimes good, sometimes I've found God, will, what He'll do is He'll take the sweetest things and He'll put them in bitter packages. And He'll do it to test your response 
to see whether you can receive from it or not. See, he's looking for our hunger. Yeah, I think it's funny, you know, uh, I watched the interview with Zane Lowe and Kanye West. It's a long interview. Uh, but, you know, listening to, to his journey through that, you can see uh, Kanye's had an encounter with Jesus. And now he wants the world to know. In fact, he says, I'm a Christian innovator right now. I'm going to take the innovation that I use to glorify myself, and I'm going to innovate. That's why he's doing these Sunday service, is so that we can get the gospel out. How many know that's a good thing? That's a good thing. I, I think it's exciting. He said, you know, I once was like, oh, I was Nebuchadnezzar. <laughs> that's who he likened himself to. You know, I was a king. People were bowing down and worshiping me. And in fact, they talked about how even some of his concerts used to be worship services almost. But, you know, he says, now nah, I've encountered Jesus. It's not about me. It's about Jesus and Jesus is king. I reckon he's had a revelation. I reckon he's had a, 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 a Damascus Road experience. It's like Saul, when he gets knocked off his horse, Saul is killing Christians, and he goes in a moment from killing Christians to actually being one of the greatest uh, ambassadors of the gospel through having an encounter with Jesus. You know, it's like some people, uh, the early church, when, get this, when, when, when Saul first got saved, the early church were nervous. The early church were nervous because he went from killing Christians to now being an ambassador. How many know some of them were, oh, did he really get saved? Yeah, yeah. Oh, Saul's coming to church. Oh, Saul, his name's Paul, but he was Saul, and he used to kill, you know, how many would think that's a setup? Yeah, right there. And it's amazing how many Christians are, well, is Kanye really saved? Is he really saved? I don't know. You know, we look at it as skeptical. But sometimes God puts sweetest things in bitter packages and to see whether we can receive from them. You know, sometimes, you know, it's like, is there a humility of heart to receive something from God from a person you don't like? How many know God loves the people that you don't like? Come on, you need to get rid of your prejudice. There and, and you need a humility of heart so that you can receive from people that you don't like. Come on, you food snobs. Some of us are food snobs. I know when we go to a restaurant, you know, Kathy won't eat in it or even go to a takeaway joint that doesn't have a A rating. She looks on the wall and it has to have an A rating. How many know what those ratings are? You too are also food snobs. You know, first thing she goes, no, not an A rating, B. We're out of here. We're going somewhere else. I'm not eating. Even an A rating, I think, has, has 50 things wrong or something like uh, with their food preparation. And so, yeah, don't quote me on that, but there's something wrong. And, and so many of us, you know, even when it comes to the kingdom, we can be a little bit of food snobs. You know, here's, here's the problem. The abundance of food has created food snobs. I, I reckon that's a problem in the church right now. We've got podcasts for now. We can access messages on social media, and we're all looking to be fed. But just because you're fed doesn't mean you're doing anything with it. Come on, come on. We don't want to be a church that just hears the word and does nothing with it. See, see what happens is, Get this right now. Famine follows misused abundance. Famine follows 
misused abundance. We have an abundance right now. We have an abundance of great preaching. You know, I, I, I listen to some people and, you know, they'll listen to every podcast, Bishop T.D. Jake, Stephen Furtick, you know, uh, Levi, you know, Alaska, you know, a whole lot of people. But then I, I look at their life and I think, what, they're not advancing. How, how are you advancing? See, see, see abundance is for, uh, for advancement. Uh, uh, abundance is for the good work that God's called us to. And there's a paradox in this, in this, in this proverb, and it's like the, the hungry, they go away satisfied. But the full go away hungry. Uh, the hungry, they go away satisfied. But the full go away hungry. See, 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 what you've got to understand when it comes to satisfaction, uh, food and satisfaction in the kingdom is found in the mission of God. See, until you engage with mission, you'll never really be satisfied as a believer. You know, we think of the story found in John chapter 4. Uh, they've been traveling the distance. Jesus sits down at a well, talks to a Samaritan woman. The disciples, they go off to get something to eat because they hadn't eaten. They come back with food and they offer Jesus some food. And he says, I, I, I'm not hungry. I have food that you do not know of. And they're going, hey, where did he get some food from? Where did it happen? And then he went on and he expanded. He said, my food is to do the will of the one who sent me. Do you, do you know where your greatest satisfaction will come from? It is, is when you engage with the mission of God. Uh, see, see, the greatest blessing is when food and appetite meet. That, that's the greatest blessing. There's nothing like when you're hungry and there's a lot of food. I mean, no, that's heaven right there. You've worked hard, you know, you've expended a lot of energy, and, and, and then you come home and there's just a, a meal there. How many know what I'm talking about? When food and appetite meet, that's heaven right now. It, there. But if you have appetite and no food, it's like, ah, that's painful. But then if you have food and no appetite, how many know? That's painful as well. See, 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 I'm saying all this because when it comes to our appetite, our appetite and hunger for God are found in humility. Our appetite, and God took the Israelites into the wilderness to humble them that they might hunger. Some of us, you know, if we're, the truth be known, we're not, we're not hungry. Not hungry for answers. We're not hungry for our world to know Jesus. You know, we're, we're doing a fast. I reckon that's exciting. Because fasts enable you to go fast. Uh, you can go faster doing a fast than you can if you don't do a fast. Uh, what are we fasting for? The, the reason of the fast is to increase our spiritual hunger and it's to release faith. 
There's so many misconceptions about fasting. You know, fasting is not merely going without food for a period of time. That's, that can be dieting. It's called a fast, not a diet. Or, the, or that can be starving. And, you know, some people say, oh, well, fasting is just done by fanatics. No. It's not just for those a little bit fanatical. By the way, we should be fanatics when it comes to Jesus. Yeah. Fasting is refraining from food for a spiritual purpose. That's why we fast. Fasting is part of a normal relationship with Jesus. I love the psalmist in Psalm 42, well-known psalm. It says, verse 1, As the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul, well, it thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night. While they continually say to me, where is your God? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul within me. For I used to go with the multitude and I went with them to the house of God. And with the voice of joy and praise, with the, multi with the multitude that kept a pilgrim feast. <laughs> this, I just added this because of last night. Why are you cast down on my soul? Just in case anybody's cast down. <laughs> you know, just in case anybody's in here taking a little bit too hard. You know, why are you cast down on my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God. Come on, how many know these hope? Hope in God. It, it goes 2023. And... Uh, for yet I will praise him for the, for the help of his countenance. Uh, David was fasting and his hunger and thirst was for God. His hunger and thirst for God was greater than his natural desire for food. Now, you've you got to understand, when Jesus uh, walked the face of this planet, he, he, talked time, he took a lot of time teaching the disciples the principles of the kingdom of God. And these principles would often be in conflict with the world. You know, we see Jesus talking about them in Matthew chapter 6. And, and Jesus gives a, a pattern of how you and I are to live. And, and these pattern, uh, this pattern outlines three basic disciplines. It, it outlines giving, praying, and fasting. Uh, he says this in, in Matthew chapter 6. He says, when you give. And he says, when you pray. And he says, when you fast. Notice he doesn't say, if you fast, if you pray. He says, when you give, when you pray, and when you fast. He's, he's, he's making it clear that, that fasting, along with giving and praying, are normal parts of the Christian life. You know, it's like these three things, I believe he's saying, are, are a combinational punch that's needed to bring answers you know, so often we can do one thing, but actually to knock over the devil, sometimes we need a combination. It's not going to take one punch. You know, we wish sometimes it would just be one punch, but God's saying, you know, sometimes you need a combination, and this combination is giving. Come on, when you're up against something, when you're up against lack, the best thing you can do to break the power of the enemy is to give. When you pray, come on, prayer brings answers in Jesus' name. And when you fast. Yeah, you know, fasting, fasting brings breakthrough. Uh, could it be we're missing some of our greatest breakthroughs simply because we're not hungry enough to fast? Sounds like a contradiction. We're not hungry enough to fast. 
Now, Jesus himself, he modeled fasting in Luke chapter 4. Just quickly, it says, In Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit. He was led, it wasn't you know, anything else. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted 40 days by the devil. And in those days, in those days, he ate nothing. And afterward, when they ended, when they had ended, he was hungry. How many know that's an understatement? After 40 days, you'd be hungry too. He was hungry, but verse 14, if we jump down to it, it says, you know, it says, then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. And the news of him went through all the surrounding region. So, so he was led into the wilderness to fast. After fasting, he returned in the power of the Spirit. How many could do with some more power? I believe fasting releases the power of God. Come on, have you ever struggled or wrestled with, with something for a long time? And, and it's like you tried, but there's been no. And then somebody comes along and you've been trying to make it work and they just put it together and make it work and you go, ah. You know, I reckon you know, fasting is like sometimes somebody just coming along, boom, fixed. Yeah, Matthew chapter 17 tells the story of the disciples and they're looking for answers. The disciples earlier, they've been given the power to, to cast out evil spirits and to heal every disease. But in a certain situation, it, it didn't work. And this man who had a son who was, who was bound ends up going, okay, I'm gonna bypass the disciples and go to Jesus. Comes to Jesus, Jesus rebukes the spirit and instantly this boy is free and healed. So, so why couldn't the disciples get a breakthrough in this case? You know, they were asking the same question. In verse 19 of chapter 17, it says, then the disciples came to Jesus privately because they wanted to know the answer and said, why couldn't we cast it out? So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, for surely I say, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. However, however, here it is. This kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Jesus said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, nothing is impossible. But he also said, however, this kind. Remember, before this, Jesus spent 40 nights fasting. Question I want to ask, if, if Jesus could have accomplished all he came to do without fasting, why would he fast? Jesus fasted because he knew there were supernatural things that only could be released in this way. Perhaps you're hearing and going, well, fasting's not for me. Well, according to Jesus, it's a crucial discipline of every believer. Jesus did it. Uh, fasting is important, and I like how Jensen Franklin, he's written some great books on this. He said, fasting is important because it, it dethrones, it crucifies King's stomach. In case you don't know who that is, just look down and introduce yourself. You've probably heard him rumble in disagreement right now. Now, whether you fast, you know, full, partial, Daniel fast, it's important that we all dethrone the dictator within. 
It's been said, you know, the way to a man's heart is through his stomach. Uh, a lot of women know that, but also the devil knows it too. You know, one meal, A&E, Adam and Eve, they were an accident and emergency waiting to happen. Yeah. A&E, you know, we, we, in one meal, they went from knowing God's presence to hiding from God's presence. Sodom and Gomorrah, uh, along with all the other sins, one of the big sins was the sin of gluttony. That was in the mix, and it led to their downfall. You know, another example of King's stomach ruling is Esau selling his birthright to Jacob for a meal, for lentil stew. See, God wants your spiritual appetite to be greater than your carnal. God's got a promised land for you to inherit, but it comes down to your hunger. Yeah, here's another vital point, and Matthew 6 outlines it. God's got rewards for all of us. And if we want God's rewards, he says, when you pray, when you give, and when you fast, just don't do it for people to see. You know, don't say I'm fasting and then have secret snacks. Yeah, I'm fasting, yeah, I'm fasting. Don't, don't cheat yourself because what you do in private, God will reward you openly. God will reward you. And those rewards are found through doing it in the secret place. You know, a good example of this is found in, in, in Daniel. Well, in Babylon, his fasting brought about our open reward. And God blessed Daniel beyond but beyond anyone else in that empire. In Daniel chapter 10, verse one to three, let's just quickly look at this and then we'll, we'll wrap up if the musicians can come. In the third year, year of, of Cyrus, king of Persia, a message was revealed to Daniel whose name was called that name. The, the message was true. The message was true, but the appointed time was long. So it's saying the message was right. You've got a prophetic word. You know, that message is true, it's right. But the appointed time was long. And he understood the message. And he had understanding of the vision. And in those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. I ate no pleasant food. <laughs> Not mood. I ate no pleasant food, no meat, no wine came into my mouth. Nor did I anoint myself at all. So three whole weeks were fulfilled. That's why Daniel fasted three weeks. But, it, but it, what? The answer was a long time coming. It was, it, there was a, a point in time, but it was long. Come on, how many ever waited a long time for something to come? Some of us order stuff online and, it, and going, is it coming? Is it coming? Is it coming? They said two days, but it still hasn't arrived. You know, you get thinking, well, has the courier lost it? Has it been stolen? You know, a long time. We, we hate waiting. He, he then describes how, how angel was sent to him, which had been delayed by the, the prince, of, uh, prince of Persia. And, and the angel carried the answer that Daniel sought. And, and what the fast did was it broke the spirit of the delayer and release the angels of God so God's purpose could be revealed. See, see, that's what fasting does. Uh, fasting has a secret power to it and it breaks the spirit of the 
delay it. Come on, God's got some things stored up for you and I. Come on, as a church, God's promised us some things. And they can seem a long time coming, but what fasting does is it breaks the spirit of the delayer so God's purpose can be revealed. Uh, God, uh, you know, come on, there's never a convenient time to fast. Oh, well, holidays, I'm on holiday, or, you know, I've got birthdays, there's an office lunch. Come on, there's always something that creates a bump in the road. My encouragement today is just to jump in and do it. Come on, if you're hungry for God, if you want breakthrough, if you want to see the mission of God touch the world around us, come on, we, we just need to jump in and do it. You know, Job 23 verse 12 says, I have not departed from the command of His lips. I have treasured the words of His mouth more than my necessary food. I treasure your words. I, I lift your word up above my natural appetites. God, it's your word that satisfies me. It's your purpose that brings fulfillment to your life. Here's the deal. When it comes to fasting, people say, well, I'm fasting and I'm fasting between midnight and 8 a.m. in the morning. And, uh, you know, I'm fasting broccoli. <laughs> you know, it's like, here's the deal. If, if it doesn't mean anything to you, it won't mean anything to God. You know, some people did today. I'm doing the Daniel fast and you're vegans already. Yeah, yeah it's like. <laughs> it's like, uh, we live in a food, you know, people do Daniel fast and, you know, they have all the recipes to get around it so that they don't feel it. They don't. No, you got to feel it because if it doesn't mean anything to you, it doesn't mean anything to God. As a church, I want to say, you know, Equipus Church is a challenging church, but some people say, well, you know, I don't like Equipus Church. You know, some people have left because, you know, it's always talking about mission. I'm going, yeah. Yeah, we read the Bible. Yeah, it's like, you know, it's like, it's got to mean something. And, and, and the whole thing with the challenge is, it's a challenge because it's challenging. Wow, that's deep. And we need to challenge ourselves to move forward. See, without praying in the Word, it's nothing more than a diet. And what fasting is, fasting in a way is a continual prayer to God. I mean, when your stomach's rumbling and you feel like food and you go to the fridge and you go, oh, I'm fasting. You know, what are you doing in that moment? You're praying. It's a continual prayer to God. You're saying, God, I'm lifting up my spiritual appetite. I'm more hungry for you than I am for natural food. God, I'm asking you to break through. You know, how many have ever fasted and fallen off the bandwagon? You know, it's like, oh, you know, how many ever, you know, you're fasting, but you forgot you're fasting, and then you ate something, and you go, oh, I'm fasting, I'm fasting. And then you go, oh, what the heck? I'll just give in right now. <laughs> Come on, anybody been there before? It's like, oh, I've gone there now. I've gone there now. So I might as well go all in. I'll go all in. Hey, hey here's the thing. If you, if you fall off the bandwagon, get back on. Just get back on. Oh, so, you know, get back on. 21 days. We're believing for a breakthrough. Don't go, oh, well. I'll succumb to my flesh. Yeah, you know, uh, fasting. Uh, what, what, are, what is it? It's spring cleaning your body. Just there's so many natural benefits to it too. Yeah, it's, it's like a detox. It's a detox. 
we rely on a whole lot of stuff that we shouldn't. Now, I want to say, just as a provisor, if you have special conditions, consult a doctor. But you've got to understand, there's so many health benefits for your natural body. Now, somebody said it slows down aging. Wow. Wow, you can stop buying that cream and just fast. (laughs) What do we do? Because Jesus is sweeter. Jesus is sweeter than anything else. And we're hungry for Him. He's sweet as. Come on, sweet. There's no forgiveness and salvation. Sweet is liberty to the captive. Sweet is victory over sin and temptation. Sweet is soul contentment. Sweet is grace and mercy. Sweet is health to the sick and light to those who are in darkness. And one thing that proves how sweet He is is He removes all bitterness. See, without hunger, life can be bitter. But to the hungry, even the bitter is sweet. The best sauce for any food, if you like your sauces, come and know, sauce makes some food best source for any food is hunger. If you're hungry, you'll take anything in. You'll go after it. You'll find God in every moment. I believe God right now is looking for a people who have the humility to hunger after Him.